everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today my husband Frank is back on the podcast and we're talking about the movie Love Hard. Hi Frank. Hey Michelle. Thanks for doing this. I'm so glad to be back. I'm excited to talk about this movie with you. It'll be an interesting one. For sure. So a few things about this movie. It was released in November of 2021. It's directed by Hernan Jimenez, written by Daniel Mackey and Rebecca Ewing. It stars Nina Dobrev, Jimmy O. Yang, Darren Barnett, and Harry Shum Jr. The IMDb.com summary is, An L.A. girl, unlucky in love, falls for an East Coast guy on a dating app and decides to surprise him for the holidays, only to discover that she's been catfished. This lighthearted romantic comedy chronicles her attempt to reel in love. It has a 6.4 on IMDb, and it's a Netflix film, so no box office gross for this one. Okay, Frank, let's dive in. On a scale from 1 to 10, what are you rating this movie? I went out on a limb on this one, and I gave it a 7.2. Wow. 7.2. Okay. I'm intrigued. I had a really hard time scoring this one. I started off with a 6. Went up to a 6.8. I'm settling at a 6.5. Was it a chronological thing where when you were watching it, you're like, this is trash. Mm. And then you got to the end, you're like, oh, it's pretty good. And then you're like... Okay, the beginning was trash, so I pulled it back. Kind of, yes. And also just in typing up my notes and thinking about things I liked, things I didn't like, it just happened to, yeah, it balanced it out. I averaged it out for, for, for the score. Fair enough. I think my my approach was the beginning of the movie, literally the beginning, was so cringe. And then it got toward the end and I was like, all this exposition's got me going. Mm. And I was like, I feel... These characters, I I understand and I empathize. Mm. And because they're telling a story that needs to be told, I felt like it deserved a higher score. So So 7.2. Okay. So this movie just came out on Netflix not too long ago. A few weeks ago, as a matter of fact. So the reason why we're talking about this and our quote-unquote relationship with it is that it's a week-long relationship maybe at this point. When this movie trailer... When the trailer was released... You and I both watched it. We were like, okay, perfect. We're going to talk about this on the pod. Was that your reaction or was that? It, it, was. it I was. was. I think I asked you literally, are, are we doing this one? Are, can I get this one? <laughs> I'm glad you're here with me to talk about this one. Okay. So what are some things you like about this movie? I think it tackles an important part of the, the dating marketplace Mm -hmm. and it extends further than just dating but just how we interact with other people the fakeness that we sometimes express and also uh it ties into the age-old question of who who are you really and how can you be true to yourself so it's uh, it gets deep real quick and even though it doesn't take itself too seriously maybe i uh projected a little bit um, when watching this movie Mm -hmm. Just off the bat, Asian American male lead Jimmy O Yang as Josh Jin Yang. Jin Yang. So, is that why there was so much relatability on your end? Asian guy, Asian lead, dating online. I know we're married now, but I know for a fact that you did date online before we met. Correct? Yeah, it was before the days of um, Tinder and and sw- swiping. Um, right, it was like a it was okay like Cupid, Match yeah. dot com, eHarmony, those like the, the old school players. <laughs> yes, old school. And it was it wasn't as ubiquitous. Now nowadays, it's much more uh, the norm, and I feel like whatever I felt during that period of time is exacerbated now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it did touch a nerve, a chord. It hit, it struck a chord, um, and I wanted to see what they had to say. Yeah, one of the biggest things I like about this movie is just the cast. So for me, Nina Dobrev, who plays Natalie, I literally have never watched her in anything before. I somehow missed Vampire Diaries. She was good. I liked her in this movie. I thought she was really refreshing because I've never seen her before. Um, she was charming, surprised that she could sing. She like went all out in those those two scenes where she's singing. And I thought she pulled off a pretty cheesy script without being too cringeworthy. I think it was still cringeworthy. Sure. And... The like she did she did well with what she had yeah and I don't know if the role really tried to stretch her it's not it's not that sort I'm of role say no it didn't yeah but I I think she was cast well she's um, described as an LA six 
in the movie. (laughs) And I was like, she's not not an LA six. She's probably higher than an LA six. And I think that that was part of the disconnect that I had at the beginning of the movie about Mm -hmm. her having difficulty finding love. But that's, well, I'm sure we'll get into that. Sure. You mentioned Jimmy Yang as Jin Yang mm-hmm. or from Silicon Valley. So for me, it was a little bit unexpected to see him in this role. Happily surprised that he is the male lead in this movie. It was just, it took some like getting used to seeing him in this endearing role because as we've mentioned a few times already, like he's Jin Yang. <laughs> he's an asshole on Silicon Valley and he plays Bernard Tai in Crazy Rich Asians, oh, another yeah. asshole character. Yeah, I forgot about that. So... Those are the two biggest roles that I've seen him in, but loved him in this role. For sure. Crazy Rich Asians totally forgot about it because it's such a forgettable movie. (laughs) Um, But to elaborate more on the cast, I think they did have a really good supporting cast as well. Harry Shum Jr., as I mentioned, he plays brother Owen. That was a surprise to me. When he showed up, I was like, that guy looks familiar, but I have no idea where I've seen him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been around for a long time. He was on Glee, I don't know, 10 plus years ago at this point. He was on Crazy Rich Asians as well. Yeah, for like a hot second at the end. And then Dad is played by James Saito, who's been in a, a lot of other things. Namely, he was in Always Be My Maybe. Oh, that's... Okay, got it. Yeah, he's always the really cool dad. And then Darren Barnett as Tag. Whatever. <laughs> from Never Have I Ever. Basically, I'm I'm... A little surprised that Netflix was able to score all these pretty famous actors, and I kind of wish that they utilized them a little bit more. Were these actually big names? Well, familiar names. Like, I think a lot of Netflix rom-coms are kind of just, like, no names of people. Oh, it's like Vanessa Hudgens plus people you've never seen before in your life. Sure, yeah, something like that. Are we still waiting for the Princess Switch 7? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What else do you have? I have a pretty long list here of things I liked about the movie. I think what I said sums it up. It, it touched, it, it resonated with me about presenting some authentic version of yourself and actually how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Even some of the things that they, they talk about, you know, I'm I'm a little skeptical um, that it works in today's day and age. Yeah. But it was worth a discussion, right? I think catfishing has, like, it's a thing. But it also has many degrees, which this movie expressed. Yeah, It's it's about what, what are you comfortable with on either side of the spectrum? Because we all kind of know what happens. So in terms of like things I really liked, I like that discussion. I think have that's, you been catfished before? I have not. Uh, neither have I. I have actually confessed. I've never dated online. I just missed that boat entirely. So a lot of the things the characters probably felt in this movie, I've never had those feelings before in this literal sense of being catfished online. However, I feel like the conversation and topic of catfishing, I think we're all on some level guilty of not being our true selves online. And in person, like sure. for the first time you meet somebody, like who are you? When you yeah. when I first met you, that was a very not real representation of who I was or am. Wasn't it? Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe may- Maybe maybe I was more honest than I would have been if I had my, my guard up. Mm-hmm. But I agree. When are we actually ourselves? And Yeah. Who are you really? As who you are you? Yeah. Yeah. Big, big question to ask. Um, so it goes without saying, I have I have a few specific things here that I like about this movie. Um, the depiction of an average American, Asian American family. Dad is remarried to a Caucasian woman and it's a very harmonious family dynamic for the most part. I love the normalization of it. There's not a lot of... There's no trying to show other by saying that, oh, he's Asian American. It's just like, oh, that's who he is. But I did find it weird. I'm sorry, I'm being super nitpicky. Is that... There's going to be so much time for that. (laughs) They call grandma, grandma. And I don't know why this, like, bothered me isn't the right word, but it just felt so unrealistic. You and I, we don't call our grandma, grandma. We call our grandma, grandma in... Uh, the language that our grandparents were raised in. So I, I just noticed that when I was watching. They call her Grandma June. Well, also, they, this is a family that makes gingerbread houses for, for Christmas. Mm. And it sounded like Grandma had a British accent. The dad uh, ran an outdoor goods store. They live in Lake Placid. They're probably a very Americanized version of an right. Asian American family. Yeah, and maybe they've been here for... For generations. That's, yeah. that's a possibility too. But I just thought that was very n- notable to me at least. 
um, candle making. For the listeners out there who don't know me beyond this podcast, I actually own a candle business. So that was kind of unexpected slash funny to see. And I've had a few friends text me like, Michelle, have you watched this movie yet? Michelle, you love this movie. So that was really kind of funny. It was really random, I thought, as, as a plot in, in the storyline. But I ultimately love it because Josh is given a whole backstory of why he wants to pursue this this work. Ultimately, his dad is incredibly supportive, which I think is what Josh was so scared about, that his family would have thought that he was crazy. And I... I kind of had those thoughts too. Like, my parents are going to think I'm insane. They're going to not expect me to succeed or want me to succeed. They want me to go back to having a nine to five job or whatever. But yeah, I'm very lucky that my parents and my family are incredibly supportive of my non-traditional career choice. Yeah. And I think the the candle situation was interesting because when Natalie went downstairs to the basement, she didn't immediately exclaim, oh, this smells fantastic down here. (laughs) Because... As anyone who makes candles would know, the entire place smells like candles. You cannot hide from it. And if you ever try to make pumpkin spice candles, you definitely cannot run from that smell. So it's a a potent smell. But yeah, shameless plug, Ilha Candles. Check me out. (laughs) I-L-H-A candles.com. And then Christmas vibes, obviously. This movie is a Christmas holiday rom-com. Did you get any warm Christmassy vibes from this movie? I did. I think there was a, a good conversation in the, the car when Natalie and Tag were coming home from the the, the, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tag said all the reasons why he thinks, you know, Christmas is a scam. And I know that there wasn't really any retort because they were on a date and Natalie didn't want to, you know, yeah. but you could see her face. Like she is a person who celebrates Christmas and the gingerbread making and the routines and the uh, traditions with putting the the star on the tree like that was Owen's thing mm-hmm. this reinforces my point that this feels like a very Americanized family with very Americanized traditions right. about what the holidays mean specifically Christmas mm-hmm. yeah I felt very warm and fuzzy watching it can't wait to decorate our own home and start playing Christmas music on repeat favorite character I was thinking between the the best friend in LA. Carrie. Carrie. Shout out Carrie. And uh the the guy at the airport who's also the Uber driver and the uh the Lyft driver and then does he have a third I forget if he no, has he a... was at the airport, so yeah. that's the, the main gig. Iraq. Iraq. He's out of jail, apparently. He's out of jail. Shout out to the side characters that bring the comic relief. Um I love the music in this movie. I love the eighties throwbacks. Meatloaf's I I will do anything for love which is the song that Natalie karaoke's to. She listens to Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, when she's rock climbing. Like That's her, her music to calm her down. And then obviously the Christmas classics really sets the tone for this this movie. Well, are we? is this now the time we, we talk about the music? Yeah. Because I loved what they did with Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh, you did? Okay. Tell me more. In the transition to that, I also want to say like this movie is extremely timely. Like It is of these times mm-hmm. that they approach... The War on Christmas. Baby, It's Cold Outside has been called out for for being inappropriate and and sleazy and predatory. Mm -hmm. All of these things have happened within the last couple of years. And there's a lot of other things about the gig economy and things like that. (laughs) The gig economy. Yes. Iraq, again. So this movie reflects all of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost, it's trying to hit the notes Mm -hmm. of this era. And I, I felt like, they did a good job doing that and the music was spot on but that song like i didn't expect it to sound that good mm-hmm. i didn't expect it to be written that well mm-hmm. and it just it just came together and i actually listened to the song you heard me in the kitchen yeah i was playing that song on youtube and i was like it's a, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good song yeah in its new state yeah props to josh for coming up with the lyrics on the spot uh, I do think that they performed it really well. Again, I was really shocked that Nina Dobrev could sing and Jimmy O. Yang could hold his own tune. Are these Hollywood people apparently have talent or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do think it was really great that they brought that up. I I think I'm... I'll, I'll save it for later. Yeah. I'm all over the place, but I'll throw something in there. Please. What I really liked was at the end, 
Owen is a, a total jackass the entire movie. Mm. And he's a jackass to his brother. But at the very end, after Natalie says her thing at the the party, they all go home and uh, Owen doesn't do anything snarky. He just straight up goes and uh, mm-hmm. you know tries to comfort him. I don't know why that was poignant. Like, mm-hmm. Harry Shum Jr.'s character of Owen, is, it feels so out of place because he always plays the good guy. Mm-hmm. To see him turn heel in this is... It feels different, and it didn't feel normal. And I think when he when he did that, there was a sense of it's a it it was the strongest sense of family mm-hmm. that I felt throughout the entire movie. And it's a weird moment because it's supposed to be not significant in terms of how they interact as a family. Sure. But I could just see myself, you know, being a bully to a brother for an extended period of time, and then also, you know, when things get really tough. You're still family. You you still try to comfort them and, and show some level of support. So I don't know that that struck me weirdly. Yeah, I mean the sense of family in this movie is also kind of not chaotic, but there's a lot of different dynamics that are going on in this family as well. So I want to touch on Owen because you brought him up. Is that yes, he's bullying Josh throughout the entire movie. We know him to become like to be an attention whore, but then at the end when um, Natalie is confessing at the top of the stairs there's kind of some weird camera work i don't know if that's the right term to be using but we see josh be really sad but then also very pronounced in the background is owen and he's like we can see that owen is feeling bad for josh and the camera's going in and out of focus on josh and then on owen and then back on josh so part of me was like okay, what is Owen going to do about this? Is Owen going to, like, I don't know, beat somebody up or, like, have words with someone? I just felt like there was going to be more that Owen was going to do, and that never happened. I was, like, waiting for Harry Shum Jr.'s moment to shine, but then I feel like, Doing to my point off? earlier, <laughs> to my point earlier, like, I don't feel like he's used to his strengths in this movie. And I think, I don't know, missed opportunity. It could have been more of a brother dynamic, mm-hmm. kind of played out a little bit more, but... There's well, a lot going on in this movie. If we ever get a DVD extended cut, then <laughs> we can check it out. Um, and a side note, I would have loved to have been Tag's date on that hike and bobsled date. That would have been fun. You have an abnormal amount of admiration for the actor who plays Tag. <laughs> Dating back to the point when he shows up on... Paxton. He Paxton. Plays Paxton. I never, never have, have I ever. ever. He's like 30 years old. He's playing like a 16-year-old. <laughs> he is. He is. Not 16. He's probably playing like 18. Okay, so let's move on to some things that we don't like about this movie. You mentioned maybe it's cold outside. So I actually kind of, I I appreciate acknowledging how, quote, rapey that song is. That's the word. But when I thought about it, like, yes, it's been in this zeitgeist that the song is just inappropriate. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. I really feel like they are just really are just like hammering it in. So there's other points in this movie where I feel like we, the audience, are treated like we're dumb. But maybe that's a given because this is the movie. This is just the lighthearted fair of the Netflix rom-com. I know how to describe this. This is a very woke movie. Like mm-hmm. calling, ju- uh, not Justin Thoreau, uh, Thoreau, oh, Walden Pond Walden. by Thoreau. What's... I, I don't know. Oh, uh, I think um, she said that she, he was a narcissist. Yeah. And it, it's like a great work of literature and whatnot. But it like calling out historical figures mm. for their transgressions of the past. Like they, they did not shy away from that during yeah. this movie. Yeah. Agree. Agree. The, the only other thing that I thought that they just really hammered home. I was like om- almost insulted was the Natalie being allergic to kiwi. They mentioned it three times before we got to see her allergic reaction. Well, it's foreshadowing. It's, you know, sure, foreshadowing. It's, I don't know, we're watching things like Succession, and then immediately after we're watching movies like Love Hard. I like how that scene, I don't, I'm I'm assuming that made you think immediately of Will Smith and Hitch. Yes, absolutely. Of course, yeah. They did a really good job uh, paying homage to rom-coms. Yeah, like Love Actually. And the Die Hard, the Die Hard conversation was really big, like two years ago. Wait, so should uh, this is one of my questions? Should we just have this conversation now? It's just going to be a short conversation. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No one gives a shit. <laughs> like you can call it whatever you want. You put it on a listicle on BuzzFeed or whatever. You like it, you like it. Does it have to be a Christmas movie? It's 
a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Bruce Willis. It's fun to watch. Who cares if it's a Christmas movie? Watch it if you want to watch it. You're sidestepping the question. It's because I don't have a point of view on it. Well. I understand that this is a lively debate. I'm, I don't. You're just removing yourself from the debate in a very frank way. Yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, I don't, I'm not pleased by this answer, but it is what it is. What is your stance on it? I'll play along. What, what do you think? So I don't know, actually. I didn't grow up watching Die Hard. I only revisited Die Hard as a adult a few years ago properly. I remember decorating the tree as I was a kid and Die Hard was always on in the background. But I wasn't a young person into action films. So I missed that conversation. So if it was me growing up as a kid and it was like a thing, sure, yeah, absolutely. I would fight for Die Hard as a holiday movie, as a Christmas movie. Hmm. I mean, it does take place during a Christmas holiday party. At Nakatomo Towers. Yeah. That's all I remember. Nakatomi? Nakatomi. Sorry. Gosh. Um, Okay, well, now I'm going to continue to sidestep then, is what are your favorite holiday movies? I was very unprepared for this. I do enjoy Love Actually. You do? I do. Okay. Um, Some might call it problematic. Mm -hmm. And I just really like Keira Knightley and her accent. (laughs) Would you like some banoffee pie? (laughs) Are you going to just continue doing Keira Knightley impression? (laughs) That's really all I uh, I got, but I like it. I'm like, putting you on the spot. I get it. Yeah, this was not a part of the prepared no, list of questions that I no part of the, as a is... as a podcast uh, producer. I'm Michelle. trying to get some you know organic content from you. Um, give, uh, if you give me a list okay, of holiday I'll movies, go. I'll sort them. I'll go. Some of my favorite holiday movies are Home Alone one and two. Those are great movies. And it's always a constant debate. Is one or two better? Both are really great. I love both of them. Maybe two has a slight edge because it takes place in New York. Mm-hmm. But love those. Um, in terms of holiday rom-coms, I love While You Were Sleeping with Sandy B. Oh, that's a good movie too. I didn't realize it was a Christmas movie. Um, and I just randomly really lean into all the Harry Potter movies during the holidays too. Those aren't those take place over the course of a school no, year. No, I understand. But if you ever notice, like on TV, they always hammer home harry potter marathons and there's always every movie there's like christmas in it anyway let's go back to this movie i mean clearly just so that our viewers know there's an imbalance in the amount of festivities in this household there's one person who leans into the holidays yeah, get more on my so. level frank getting there getting there so one other thing i don't like about this movie and i've mentioned this on other episodes before is that i don't really love it when rom-coms wink at other rom-coms so the fact that Love Hard winks at Love Actually multiple times throughout the movie, it's fine. I don't love it. The only way that it becomes okay with me is that Natalie doesn't like Love Actually. Right, because it's a it's a common thing to say nowadays. It's like, ugh. Well, so I, I potted about Love Actually last year with my friend Tim. We talked about Love Actually. We both gave it the same rating of a 7. Um, that movie holds a lot of the nostalgia for me. However, I like Natalie's take, and I said this on my podcast episode, is that people fall in love merely based on how the other person looks. There's no depth in love in that movie. Maybe it's a hot take. I don't know, but I kind of like that about this movie. But I don't, in a general, generally speaking, I don't love it when rom-coms wink at other rom-coms. Let me escape into this movie. You don't need to make me come out of this and be like, this is so unrealistic. Oh my gosh, like love isn't like this. Like, I know that, but let me live in this reality for an hour and a half or two hours. That's fair. And I I think there's different levels of movie, of filmmaking and and romantic comedies. I think there, there are movies where they intend to transport you into the minds and the like thinking of the characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie was trying to do that. Uh, it would have been much more ambitious to do that. And I don't, I don't think this is the script for that sort of conversation. This is much more lighthearted. I think being referential and being aware of what it is made it, uh, it made it more appropriate. Because if this was the level of acting, if this was the level of script writing for something that took itself too seriously, I don't think I would have liked sure, it. that's fair. I think movies like this, they're lighthearted. You know that going in, so you kind of expect those winks and nods, yeah. perhaps. 
yeah, yeah. different strokes for different folks. Yeah, and I, you know, ultimately, I didn't hate it, but it's just something I don't generally like in my movies, in my rom-coms. And I mentioned this earlier, there's just a lot going on here. Nothing or nobody is really given a lot of depth. And again, maybe that's expected for this type of movie. Yeah, the most of the characters are caricatures. Sure. Like the boss. Yes. And actually, I wanted to make a comment about the boss. Mm-hmm. The boss is actually the person who is who provides Natalie the insight of why her dating life went wrong. Right. Or is was not successful. Yeah. And I didn't like the fact that such a such an out of touch asshole mm. had to be the one to explain things to her. I a hundred percent agree. I don't know what happened. Like I wish that came from Carrie, the best mm-hmm. friend, because that would have made a lot more sense. But Lee, I, I don't know why that was the decision made. Yeah. It felt disjointed. I mean, it, it made sense for him to fly there to, like, check up on her and all that stuff. Mm. So he's conveniently there. Sure. To meet at the bar and, and have, like, a conversation. But, yeah, I just I didn't like it that he was both simultaneously very competent at understanding someone else's situation, mm-hmm. but also an asshole. But maybe that's exactly what they wanted to portray because there's a lot of sociopathic successful people out there and they exist they're they're not incompetent they're just not kind and good people and that's who lee is yeah okay i'll take my comment back i think maybe it was it was a a very subtle intentional move i'll give them the benefit of the doubt (laughs) 7.3 wow 0.1 points for lee because there's so much going on here i want I, i like actually bullet it out a lot of plot lines slash storylines that I think they tried to bite off more than they could chew. So we have Natalie trying to further her career by writing this article. Mm -hmm. And I totally forgot that Josh doesn't even know that she's there to write an article about him until at the end of the movie. When Lee comes and meets Owen and Owen has the, you know, confronts Josh about like, you don't know this girl. She's just here using you for an article, which also reminded me of how to lose a guy in 10 10 days. So there's that. I think there's just so much going on. We kind of forgot that that was actually happening. We have all the catfishing, right? We have Josh catfishing Natalie and the Natalie catfishing tag. We have the whole family dynamic, as I mentioned. Josh clearly knows that he's a disappointment or feels that he's a disappointment to his family. And then he has this weird toxic relationship with his brother. And then we have this blossoming love between Josh and Natalie. Was it? There was a lot that was going on. I didn't feel like the family storyline was that incomplete because I didn't expect it to be fleshed out to begin with. So what I've noticed in holiday rom-coms, or at least the ones that I maybe emotionally resonate with, are the ones about family. Mm. Because I think that's what the holidays are for me. It's not necessarily about finding love, but it's mostly about being with the ones you love. So the the reason why I love While You Were Sleeping is because, yes, she finds this love. Sandy B finds love in Bill Pullman's character, but she also finds love with family, which you probably don't remember. This is really interesting because I do not think of this movie as a holiday movie. I know we literally just talked about it 20 <laughs> minutes ago, but at no point did I associate this movie with the holidays or Christmas with the short exception of the, the gingerbread houses Mm -hmm. and maybe that's why i didn't get this feel like i didn't have expectations Mm -hmm. maybe i had lower expectations about the movie in general but i definitely didn't have holiday movie expectations i had light-hearted uh netflix production sort of expectations yeah which is maybe why i didn't i didn't get that same Mm. vibe that you did so let's talk themes what are some themes that you took away from this movie we're all kind of catfishing each other every single day. Yes, that's what I said at the top of this. That's how I feel. But please. Uh, I mean, we, we all try to be, we're different versions of ourselves when we are with different people. Mm-hmm. To some degree, we are all doing some kind of mirroring, uh, intentionally or subconsciously. Mirroring. I like that, yeah. It's a term, like when you go on an interview, you, you want to uh, behave in a similar fashion to the person that you're talking to. Sure. To make them feel more comfortable. Like, what Natalie's doing is very normal, I think. It's just that what Josh did is faux pas. And I like how the movie, it talks about catfishing as, like, posting an inauthentic photo. Mm -hmm. But 
Josh, when Josh said, uh, I forget the exact quote, it's like, all I did was, was, uh, lie about what I looked like. Mm-hmm. You're lying about who you are. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, mind blown. <laughs> like that went up from a six to a 6.8 at that point for well, me. Well, Natalie had a retort and I forget what she said. She was like, no, you hid behind a photo, but you lied about who you are. Like she, she had her own perspective mm-hmm. on what Josh did, but to your point, I think we do all do this. We're all guilty of this because it starts off as easy. It's like when you meet someone, it's like, oh yeah, I I really like this kind of music or I, I really love this movie growing up. But, you know, you're just doing it to mirror, be accepted and show that the other person, there, there's similarities, there's interest. Yeah. And I assume that this is a lot easier behind texts or, or, or DMs or messages nowadays. Like, if you're not witty and quick over text, I feel like it's an enormous detriment to your ability to date now. Like if that's the introduction to to of yourself to someone else, mm-hmm. that is a different skill set uh, in showcasing your personality. Uh, that and not taking pictures of you holding an axe like a lumberjack, <laughs> a rope, and a wrench. So for Josh, for how in tune he is with somebody um, over, like. He's he's very conversant. He, mm-hmm. He's very able to detect nuance. The fact that he doesn't realize that his pictures suck. <laughs> like, come on, man. I'll give you that. I, I could make an argument for it, but I, I'll just let, let that be. But yeah, it's, it's, un, it's WTF on that. As I mentioned, family. You kind of didn't see a lot of family in this. But for some reason, one of the biggest takeaways for me was that we, a lot of us, and maybe this is because we have immigrant parents... We do everything we can to please our parents. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but Josh is willing to lie to his parents and his family about who Natalie is. Because that's the whole point of Mm. why she stays is he's like, did you see how happy my family was when they found out you were my girlfriend? Like, can we just keep this ruse up for another week or something until Christmas? So Josh is willing to really go above and beyond just to make his parents quote unquote happy. I remember thinking about that in the moment, but I, 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 it's a good callback. I didn't remember it at all. And then Josh also not telling the truth about what he wants to do. Like, he's not a good salesman at his family's outdoor store, outdoor recreation store, and he, he'd rather bake and sell candles. So, I don't know. I, I just, I feel that. Maybe as a firstborn, I feel like a lot of the things I do, I try to do to please my parents or just to not disappoint them. Mm-hmm. I get you. Uh, one other theme that was kind of a, a secondary theme was, I think, appropriate expectations mm-hmm. and maybe how social media and dating apps and basically everything that happens nowadays is just it just creates this distortion field of reality. And like there was a there was a book that was published by the data scientist at OkCupid probably at this point 10 years ago. And it shows the distribution of matches and they're disproportionately indexed toward a small group of people. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're swiping, all the hot people are getting the swipes. Mm-hmm. Like it's never been manifested that acutely in history of dating, I guess, until dating apps became a thing. So it creates a lot of unrealistic expectations and like Josh the first person that he matched with was an LA six in LA. He's in Lake Placid. Like, what are you doing? What is the expectation there? Mm. You know? And maybe he's just lonely. He's just like, Oh, the hot girl's willing to to talk to me. I didn't see the harm in where this would go, mm-hmm. but I, I still think it's about like, what, what do you expect to get out of using this app? What do you expect in your relationships now? What do you expect in finding a partner and finding love? Cause Nina Dobrik's character, Natalie, doesn't find love in L.A. Because everybody sucks in L.A. from her point of view. Mm-hmm. And Lee's like, you you just find the first thing that's wrong and then you, you start ripping that apart. And I think that's true on both ends of the dating spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. guys do it. Well, yeah, because there's always somebody else. Exactly. It's, you're just a swipe away. It's that little dopamine hit. Yeah. You don't have to work through. And this is... Uh, we're a little bit removed from this process, <laughs> but it's like, oh, I'll just go back to this thing. And it's easy to swipe. It's easy to text because there's no investment. Mm-hmm. But once you start seeing flaws 
it's like you have to accept the flaws. You're, you, there's only so much you can hide behind when you're when you're face to face with someone over a long period of time. Yeah. Hmm. You saying all this, and me never ever having had the online dating experience. Hmm. I feel like I missed out on something, in the sense of I don't I I don't identify right like. Thank God I didn't have to go through all that up and down heartbreak like Natalie does and like meeting all these shitty guys. But I feel like I lack some sort of empathy about all all that, what you just said. I mean, it's it might have been hard for you to empathize because you probably wouldn't have had the same experiences as, as I did. Mm-hmm. Statistically, black women and Asian men have the lowest match rates. Yes. And... Like, that's just, that's it's just not, fact. yeah, it's not Asian women. Right. And you Fair. are an Asian woman. Yes. An attractive one. Oh, thank you, honey. You're welcome. And so I don't think you would have felt the way that Josh felt. You might, you might have gotten like a lot of, uh, you might have gotten a flood of DMs and you would have to like parse through the people that you wanted to meet and talk to. Yeah. And you would have gotten large, you probably would have picked the people that are the most attractive. Right. And then you would have met them and been like, yeah. Online dating seems so hard. It does. I mean, I, yes. I'm glad that I didn't go through it, even though I just said I missed out on it. You didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything, but I just feel like the stories I would have had. This podcast would be even better if even you had better, gone through yeah. it. Well, so let's talk about this a little bit more. As an Asian American man who had dated online, can you explain a little bit more how you feel Josh's pain? The words that Natalie said about you're a good guy mm-hmm. and you just need to believe it, that that rang very hollow for me. Like that that was a touchy, like that's when someone tells you you're a nice guy and you're in the friend zone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And well, it, let me let me just, for, for context, the scene that we're talking about is in the car, they're looking at the photos of Josh's profile photos. And Josh is like, I don't know what kind of photos to post. And she's like, just show you're a good guy. And he's like... How do you show that? I totally i i was I was a Josh Stan at that time. <laughs> is that the right way to use the word? I don't know. I think so. But like, what does that what does that mean when when you are yeah. not confident? That's what I mean. It's it's really hard to communicate who you are as a person online. And you know, God gave us the faces that we have and the bodies that we have. There's only so much we could do with that and the skin color that we have, right? So I I do feel for. The people who struggle in matching with other people online, they just want to be given a shot. And people like Josh just don't feel like anyone's giving them any attention. To the point where he's driven to, you know, Photoshop a very handsome guy. But I don't I don't know. I, I just I'm so curious to like hear more about that emotional journey. I think it's uh, dating for me probably wasn't as bad as Josh because one, I live in New York. I was living in New York City. So there's mm-hmm. just more people. Right. If you're in Lake Placid, I don't know what the population of Lake Placid is. Right. And it's probably not an ethnically diverse. Well, to the point where his radius is also open to California. Yes. I don't know what he was hoping to achieve right. by doing that. But like he, he had it. He had it tough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is still a thing, but you can filter by height. Mm. And a lot of people just are like, oh, you know, under five foot, whatever. Yeah. And you're like automatic. Don't even, don't even look at it, which is a very in, unfair uh, situation. So the self-confidence thing, I identify with, with him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the advice that Natalie was trying to give, it's like, sure. Sounds, sounds, sh- sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds short and sweet to put into a couple of lines in a movie. But there's a reason why there are entire industry, like, you can pay people to make your profile. Hmm. Um, you can pay people to, like, there was a, a time in the early 2000s where pickup artists were, wasn't it a show on MTV or something? Self-confidence is uh, is a thing. And I mean, Hitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call himself? A dating consultant? or Yeah, a consultant, I think. So I really, I feel for Josh and... I'm I'm sure he probably had it worse just because he was in Lake Placid and mm-hmm. and this is also why I have very little empathy for for Natalie at the beginning of the movie because I I can't empathize with the plight of someone who looks like Nina Dobrev. Right. I'm I am sure that 
dating for her is hard as well because she is so incredibly attractive. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what that's like. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, let me tell you, Frank. <laughs> Michelle, please go on. I'm kidding. Yeah, it's it's hard. No matter what end of the spectrum you are in terms of finding love and who you are, it's it's just hard all around. Love hard. Oh, I get it now. It's not like love someone really hard. It's like love blank is hard. <laughs> I don't know. They took out the is. Well, no. So I think what this movie. The title of this movie is, it's like, Die Hard. <sighs> totally lost on me. Love Hard. And part of the trivia, I, it came to me as I was watching the movie, but then when I was reading the IMDb trivia, so quick fast forward, is that it's combined their two favorite movies. Love Actually is Josh's favorite holiday movie, and Die Hard is Natalie's favorite holiday movie, so they just combined <sighs> Love Hard. Okay, it makes sense now. Maybe they should have <laughs> called it Die love hard, actually. <laughs> I don't know. That was terrible. There's people more professional at this Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a good one. Do you have a favorite scene or a quote from this movie? It was actually something we already talked about. It's mm -hmm. when Josh calls out Natalie about her being fake. Mm. And like I, that was an aha moment for me. But in terms of actual quotes, nothing nothing comes to mind right now. But... Going back to what we were just talking about and themes and stuff like that, the quote that rubbed me the wrong way very hard was, my perfect match is just one click away. Like that sort of marketing, which doesn't exist right now. Like mm -hmm. no no one uses that sort of marketing for, for dating services because no one believes it in anymore. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the perpetuation of things being easy, like love being easy, as mm -hmm. opposed to love being hard. <laughs> Is this a scene in, when she's in L.A. pitching the yeah. story to her boss? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the quote that I, I think about. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think there's the scene when Josh and Natalie are at the nursing home or the old folks home. Um, they're talking about online dating and how to build a profile. And Josh says, love doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be honest. I think that's the uh, the quote of the movie. Or a little bit dishonest, but at least be on the same page about oh, how sure. dishonest you are. <laughs> you really believe in some dishonesty in love. I, maybe. I don't know. Okay. All right. I well, told you I'd be dropping some truth bombs. We'll unpack that later offline. A Series of Small Steps Amounts to Great Things by oh, Van that was, Gogh. That was good. I like that one. That was the dad, right? No, that was Josh telling Natalie as she was learning how to rock climb. Oh. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the most quote-unquote emotional scene of the movie for me i did not cry um nothing really pulled at my heartstrings but the one moment where i felt a little bit of warmth was when natalie is writing her story at the end and she gets a ding from flirt alert and it's josh and josh has finally put up a real profile picture of himself and the description is honestly him and the pictures were really sweet and i think the caption says looking for someone to see me as I am or something like that. But yeah, it's it's just, I think ultimately what this movie means to me is that it's really hard to be who you, who you are. Mm-hmm. And the, the characters grew. Everyone everyone grew a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not you rock, but... <laughs> WTF moments. I mean, it, it was definitely front-loaded. Yes. But I will also say, if you're staying at somebody else's home, mm -hmm. wear pants when you go upstairs. Like... <laughs> You know, it's L.A., L.A. Oh, you mean like when in the morning she's wearing yeah. pajamas, yeah. Well, like, get dressed to meet your significant other's family. Absolutely. That was one I wrote down as well. Like, I think that's maybe just ingrained in me because that's something I was taught. Like, when you're staying at someone's home and you've never, like, been there before, make sure you come downstairs or go upstairs, whatever, like, fully dressed, ready for the day. Yeah. And not even just ready for the day. Wear pants. Wear pants. Like, just wear pants. <laughs> Low bar. Uh, this is a very small one, is that when Natalie's packing for Lake Placid with oh, Carrie. it's an empty suitcase. Well, not only is it an empty suitcase, her suitcase is on the bed. And I have a thing about not putting luggage on beds. I've been scolded. I don't think that's unique. I think it's disgusting and dirty. Like, your suitcase and your luggage have been everywhere. It does not belong on the bed. Fair enough. Thank you. Natalie losing her luggage. I don't feel like this was a totally necessary plot point. She, you know, dresses... 
very nicely throughout the movie. Um, where is she getting these clothes? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it was very ceremonious when Iraq delivered the luggage finally. I think I thought it was a nod to to Ben Stiller in in Meet the Parents when he loses his luggage and he gets someone else's luggage mm-hmm. and it's full of inter- potentially inappropriate things. But yeah, it didn't it didn't happen. Yeah, I just thought it was a little strange. But yeah, the there were so many other things like the par for course. I mean, the the elephant in the room is uh, do you not know how to use LinkedIn or FaceTime? Like yes, absolutely. Like if I'm gonna fly across the country, I want to FaceTime with someone before I, I uh, meet them face to face. Yeah, like LinkedIn, yes. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right? TikTok, yeah. All of the like, I f- I feel like nowadays, and I don't, I'm, I'm not speaking from experience. You don't even give out your phone number anymore. If you meet somebody, don't you just give them your Instagram handle? I wouldn't know, honey. I mean, that's a good that's that's a good sign. <laughs> but like, if the phone number is like almost too intimate, I think that's what it is. I don't think people give out phone numbers anymore. I think it's Instagram handles. So yeah, uh, the validation of the identity feels like uh, a big miss. And I think that that set the tone for why I was so dissatisfied at the beginning of the movie. Because it's like, just do your due diligence. Mm. Make sure this is a real person. You, Your best friend already warned you about being catfished. So why why wouldn't you take appropriate next steps? It was just the, that one photo a Photoshop that she just needed. She maybe, yeah, she just wanted to uh, believe that she could have this perfect love. Do you not want to FaceTime with Tag? Like, yeah, he's an attractive person. Yeah, and absolutely. like, don't you want to talk to this person yeah, as opposed to, to, to yeah, like, come on, come on. <sighs> it, it frustrated me. Well, there was that one other scene where Owen is trying to find the truth of who Natalie is, and he's like, he can't find anything. It's like. That's impossible. She's, she's over- a columnist. She's a columnist. Yes. She literally is sharing her real life experiences with the world. So yeah, WTF. Maybe she was using like a pen name. I mean, she should have used it. I mean, I would assume she's using I a pen I would assume name. so. I actually know some women who have blogged about their dating escapades. Uh, oh. And always a bridesmaid, never a bride type situation. So that was kind of funny uh, off the bat of this movie. Okay, so let's fast forward to the ending here. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you happy with it? Is it satisfying? It was satisfying to me because it makes me feel like if we weren't married, I had a shot. I have a shot with an LA6 like Nina Dobrev. <laughs> have you watched Nina Dobrev's things or are you just like aware of who she is? Because she's... I've never watched anything that she's been in, but she's she's very attractive yeah. and I think she would be a swell girlfriend. I think uh, her boyfriend in real life is Sean White. The snowboarder? Yeah, the snowboarder. That's funny because I feel like Sean White, oh no, it was Seth Green in Entourage who was always like, say what up to Sloan for me. Oh, yes. And for some reason, Seth Green and Sean White looked the same to me. Well, and what's her name? Emmanuel? Shriqui. Shriqui. Sure. And Nina Dobrev look similar-ish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure we're being extremely inappropriate in a lot of ways. So in terms of the ending for me, I saw the ending coming a mile away, which, you know. I didn't I didn't know if they were going like 80% sure they were going to find each other. Well, so let me let me let me continue. Is that when that scene where he hears a doorbell ring, he goes to answer the door, he opens the door and he's like, "Who's there?" I was like, "This is going to be a love actually moment." I I didn't even understand. I thought it was going she was going to be holding up a boombox. Mm. But you're you're definitely the more astute of the the two of us. It makes sense. I, like, as I mentioned, I don't love it when there's winks and nods to other rom-coms, but it makes sense. It's on point for this movie. I like that Natalie's the one who makes a big gesture. And then uh, Jin Yang, or um, Josh, writes uh, Yippee yeah. on the back. And I thought that was also very appropriate. Just everything's teed up so well. And in past episodes, I've mentioned how I hate at the end when a woman will ask, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's a very helpless and powerless question to ask. I don't like it when that happens. But in this movie, Josh is the one. He literally asks, so what do we do now? Oh, I didn't. And then they kiss. Huh. But I was like, this was that that moment. I was like, I think that moment was just for me. Just for me because I have said it few times here that I just, I really don't like it when women are like, what do we do now? You know, if there's, As if the man has all the answers. We 
I'll tell you, we don't. You don't. If there's any writers of romantic comedies who are listening to this, I would say reach out and uh, we'd love to have you on the pod. I liked Michelle, it. Michelle would love to have you on the pod. Love it. I would love it. Um, I just like the change of pace. So do these characters stay together? Josh and Natalie? So my question here was, what what is the end game? Mm-hmm. I put it at 50-50. They've gone through some very trying, tough times, but it's still only been like, what, three days? Like they've they've been with each other physically for three days ish ish i don't know how many days like less than a week yeah they've spent a lot of time over the phone with each other there's a there's a long way to go in this journey Mm -hmm. in terms of will they make it but you know with lake placid and la and i feel like there's an opportunity for for josh to move to la where it's uh less cold and the market for premium uh scented candles is you know it's it's more, there's a bigger market in LA. I actually wrote, is it too saturated? So then does she come to Lake Placid? Oh. Because she's a writer. Yeah. Basically, you're saying 50-50. I actually say, no, they don't make it as a couple. Because there's just so much deceit and lying. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever get over that. Talking about me. I don't know if I could ever get over that. But like them as people, as characters, I don't know. It's a long distance relationship, as you say. It doesn't have to be long distance. It doesn't have to be, but the, it's like a major lie and so much deception. How do you overcome that? Or do you just say, it's a draw. Let's just start fresh. We're here. We like each other. I, I think the deception, that that is a tough question. I feel like it's when Josh mentions that, I, I think this, this was his like impassioned speech, which mm-hmm. I forgot about. And now it's coming back to me. He's like, everything that we talked about, that was me. Mm-hmm. You you liked me. Mm-hmm. And it was like he was angry that she was saying that she was she was being duped. The fact that they didn't have FaceTime or Zoom or anything like that made it all the more true because yeah, if you were talking to this person over the phone, like that that is who they are. Yes, their appearance is a big portion of the relationship, but as a personality and everything except the face and the body, which I guess are also important, like she liked him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that that creates that fifty percent chance. Three day relationships, cross country, and the fact that they lied—that's the other fifty percent. Okay, as I'm saying this out loud, <laughs> maybe I'm not giving enough weight to to all the other characteristics. But I feel like it's a hopeful it's a hopeful story as the person who identifies with sure. the Jin Yang um, side of the equation. You're right. It is hopeful in the sense that. You know, you could find your partner in someone very unexpected or someone that you may have not thought of for yourself. And if you put yourself out there, you will likely to receive love the way where it's healthy. A Lake Placid 10. <laughs> like, it's possible. Well, so as you were talking just now, I'm trying to think back in the movie, like, and maybe this is dumb, that scene where you said, like, Josh is like, you know, you liked me, you liked me, I was I was always me, I've never lied about who I was. Like, there was never a conversation between Josh and Natalie about how Josh is like, I still want you, though. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, let's play it for deception for the family. But it doesn't seem like he's, like, working to get her. Oh. If that makes sense. That's true. That's fair. But anyway, I just, I just noticed that. Maybe when someone is in LA six, there's an assumption that. What is it with you in this LA six? I don't know. I I just thought it was funny because it's like, if you're a six, does that mean that sixty percent of the population is less attractive and forty percent of the population is more attractive? What is the distribution of of ratings of individuals <laughs> in a geographic area? Uh, maybe you should do a whole spreadsheet, draw some graphs, and explore that. So one other thing that I couldn't help but think about is how mad does Tag get at Josh for using his photo? There's hardly any interaction between Tag and Josh. And we know that they've been best friends or were best friends. And they stopped being best friends once Tag became popular. But, you know, this is not the point of the movie. I understand that. But I I just couldn't help but think, like, what does this friendship or non-friendship look like? Are there words? Does Tag have it out with Josh? Does Josh apologize? Like, what is... What is that? I did not think about tag at all. I know. I don't think we're meant to, but I couldn't. That's where my mind went. I don't know if you can cut this in later, but 
when you asked me about what what is my preoccupation with an LA6, I think it goes back to when I was in college and there was a a website that was introduced called hotornot.com. Are you familiar with this? I put myself on hotornot.com. What? Yes. I was curious to see how people would would look at me. Oh my. And so the the rating mechanism, for which also I think was a big part of the Facebook when Mark Zuckerberg sure. introduced it, like that that's why it it like triggered something in my head. I'm like, she's not a six. Uh, so I confess I've never, I don't remember ever being on the website or like looking at the website. I just, that's I just, that I wouldn't expect you to. It's a terrible concept. I know. For someone with like low self-esteem, it is not something that you should do. Or not, I'm saying you, but I'm saying people out there in general. That This is not helpful in any way since. I, I think, so I agree with you. I think that is the beginning of, uh, I mean, online dating when I was in college wasn't a thing. Sure. But that's, that was kind of like. That was the. Yeah. The origins of yeah. online dating. It's like pictures and very superficial matching So stuff. were you hot or were you not? Well, I was, it's a distribution. Were you hot or were you not? I'm not. This is not a <laughs> pot about me. <laughs> Where I, I don't think my account is still active no after okay. after 15 years. Fine, but. fair. So this movie came out just a few weeks ago. So this might be a little bit not applicable. Is this movie going to be a beloved film in the Netflix rom com canon? What is an example of a beloved Netflix? It's not time timeless. I don't think. I think it's, it's not timely. Timeless. Sure, t- very timely. Well, I guess the other question is, well, okay, so since this movie came out a few weeks ago, it's maintained Netflix top 10. I think it was number one for like the re- the weekend it came out. It's still top 10. I don't know. I guess like, am I surprised by that? Probably not. Is this a movie that you think a lot of people will revisit during the holidays? No, I don't think it's a very rewatchable film. I think it's novel. Uh, it's enjoyable. But I, I also don't like to rewatch movies. Mm-hmm. So... I... Yeah, and like we watched this movie once before we're talking. About... I watched it twice because I wanted to watch it once without taking any notes. You watched it once, so it's kind of hard to, for me at least, have that kind of historical relationship mm-hmm. and talk about it. So a lot of this is just very surface level thinking. I think the most beloved movie in the Netflix holiday archives mm-hmm. is Princess Switch One, <laughs> not two. And, and there's a third one coming out. It's not the. Is it really not the fourth? I feel like there was a third no, already. No, no, it's oh. going to be the third. The Vanessa Hutchins ones. Mm. Yeah, there's like another Netflix canon. Um, it's the Christmas Prince, I think. Yeah, I think maybe just the star power of Nina Dobrev and Jimmy O Yang will continue to like let this movie be in the zeitgeist for the next month or two, during and after the holidays. Not sure if this will go down as a holiday classic, as you mentioned, but. I'm open to revisiting it in the future. I mean, right now, my IMDb rating of it is stands at a, as a 7.3. Yeah. Which is... um Really high. It's very high. It's because it resonated with me, not because it's a good movie. Yeah. I think my score is also because it resonated with me on other in other ways. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. Okay. Well, this is also... This question that I usually ask is if this movie's aged well and... I think we've already talked about it. Just came out last, or it was filmed last year, released this year, and as you mentioned, it's very woke and of the times. Also, when we when we say something is woke, I think some people might just characterize it as as the way it should be. Sure. I'm shrugging. I don't really really know. But yeah, is it like unwoke to use the word woke now? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're yeah. just old. Um. Okay, so I have a few trivia points here. It was filmed in Vancouver of oh. last year. I don't know if you know who this actor is. Charles Melton. He was originally cast as Tag. He's another um, really handsome biracial man. Uh, He dropped out because of scheduling conflicts. Thus, Darren Barnett was cast. And then this is more of a personal trivia point. I don't know if anybody else out there will know this, but this is from me to you, Frank. Did Owen's wife, Chelsea, look familiar to you? Yes, but I have no idea where she's from. She's from Happy Endings. Was she the underage waitress? Yes! She's Dave's underage girlfriend turned underage waitress. Who she he brought to prom or didn't bring to prom or something? Yes, he brought her to her. And then she slashed his tires? Yes. 
Wow, I'm very impressed that you remembered her. The actress's name is Michaela Hoover. For the people out there who have not watched Happy Endings, highly recommend. Yeah, it's on what what service? I think it's on Netflix and maybe Hulu or HBO. I feel like we've gone through the entire series three times since we've watched it. It's just on in the background yeah. whenever we can get it's it. It's a great, great show. Can't say more good things about it. Okay, I think that wraps it up. I mean, for a kind of silly, fluffy movie, I feel like this... I think we took away very interesting... Not interesting. Different things, perhaps. But do you have any last thoughts or last things to add? No. Um, I think the major things to call out are candles for the holiday season are really cool. (laughs) So if you're hearing this and you haven't purchased gifts for your loved ones, please check out ilhacandles.com. That's (laughs) I-L-H-A candles.com. Yeah, and I'll say that if you... uh... There's a section on the website you can select as a gift. You can send a gift. If you want to write me a message that you listened to this and that you're a listener of Rom-Com Weekly, I'll throw in a little free gift for you. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, my last takes is I thought it was ultimately really enjoyable. Um, I like the unlikely, quote unquote, unlikely couple of Jimmy O. Yang and Nina Dobrev. I personally love that Netflix is pumping out all these like subpar rom-coms especially holiday rom-coms it's you know a certain part of me just loves watching these types of movies thanks frank this was a fun little chat and we'll chat again soon for sure thank you to all tuning in to another episode of rom-com weekly please follow us on instagram at rom-com weekly and on spotify and apple podcasts and let us know what you think of love hard what would you rate this on a scale from one to ten and we'll chat with you again next week bye bye Thank you.